Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to The Body Reset. This podcast has been built to help career-driven professionals and business owners intelligently upgrade their body, energy, and personal performance in the modern world. I want to help uncover some of the core concepts, beliefs, and frameworks that we've used with thousands of clients to navigate health and performance at home and work to look, feel, and function at your best. I hope you get a ton of value out of this, and please subscribe so you never miss another episode. If you struggle with constant binges, you, you feel that you're craving food all the time, you have a poor relationship with food, and there's a constant guilt or shame around either about to have the food or post-food, I just want to break that down a little bit and make sure that we take some key components into account to get improve that relationship with food. All right, My name's Ollie, I'm the With A Meta Project, and uh, we work with clients improving their relationship with food and with their body every single day. So I think there's some key things that we can really walk you through and understand uh, how you can maybe implement them into your own life. All right? Um, if this is coming through, I, I really want to get across that this is not your fault. These constant cravings, energy crashes, needing a constant coffee to stay awake, achy joints, sore muscles, and just these constant triggers that come through that you worry are going to lead to a whole lot of binge eating from there. Uh, what I want to cover, cover today and actually give you some insight into why that's happening rather than just this guilt and shame or, that you're causing to yourself uh, there. So if we can understand what's actually happening, we can start to look a bit, little bit deeper. So at this point, I was going to show you a photo of all the stuff that comes through, right? Our lollies, our cereals, our cheeseburger, our muffins, whatever it might be. There's so many colors and vibrant flavors coming through here. And it's artificially designed in that very way, right? Both, one, they taste amazing, right? They absolutely explode our taste buds, but they also, uh, from a visual standpoint, are made to look that way for a very, very key reason as well, right? So you've got to really get an awareness of what you're fighting here because we are they have been artificially manipulated to uh, get more of our taste buds, right? There's a natural mechanism in our body that is there to crave certain nutrients when it's low on certain nutrients, right? So we might get some copper for some berries or we might get some sodium from this and that, you know, sardines, whatever. And now those things have been adjusted so that now we crave the Pringles and now we crave the lollies from that that's come through. And it's being artificially adjusted so that rather than our body naturally craving more of the foods that are going to nourish our body, we're craving more of the foods that are calorically dense but really don't contain the nutrients that we're after. And if we look at the bigger issue here, it's that we're chronically over-consuming yet you were still undernourished. So we're constantly eating more and more, but the food doesn't require, it doesn't have the nutritional value for our body to say, cool, now I'm good. It's continuing to find more and more. All right. So these, these foods have been adjusted from a, from an artificial level to actually pull our taste buds in more and make us continue to want more. That's why this Pringles effect has become a thing, right? We open the can, we start eating the Pringles, but we never get a signal to stop eating. So we get through the whole tin before we realized we've even had a couple. All right. If we change that in for a steak, for example, you get to 150 grams, 200 grams, and you're pretty full, right? You can't just keep eating, eating more of that, right? Your body, when you eat real foods, your body has a natural mechanism to know when to stop. So balancing out this binging component of realizing the lack of fiber, the lack of nutrients, the lack of protein in these meals really has a significant impact in that as well. To go one layer deeper on this, understanding that uh, food companies uh, have adjusted serving sizes to make it 
fit what's more reasonable standards, right? So if we were saying reasonable standards in a source was 10 grams of sugar per 100, and we were finding that the source had 15 grams per 100, then what they would do is adjust the serving size from 15 grams down to 10, so it didn't look like it had 20 grams in, in a meal or, or whatever, and bring that down. So we'd look at the serving size instead of the 100 grams, and if it, the normal serving size was 20 grams and it was showing 10 grams of sugar, everyone would be like, oh, that's not really, that's that's too much. But if I drop the serving size down to 15 grams, and now I've only got seven and a half grams of sugar, they're like, oh yeah, that's not too bad, right? So the amount of manipulation that's done through the serving sizes uh, I regularly have uh, three or four serving sizes of meals, and it's not necessarily because I overeat. It's more because the serving sizes continue to get smaller and smaller in these foods because the sugar consumption are really high. So really being mindful of that if things are coming in a box. Remember, food doesn't come out of the ground with a box anyway, so that's a first step, but just getting awareness of how much is coming through. Now, to wait, make it one step harder for us. They've even added in spiking, where they're adding in some folate or adding in some fiber to make it this fancy healthy food when really it's really, really bland, really uh, under nutrient foods, they've just spiked it with certain nutrients on top, right? They've artificially added extra nutrients on top of a food that's already artificial, all right? Your body is not going to absorb that, that artificial component as well as it would real natural food. And this is how a lot of fake foods are getting into uh, onto our shelves without, you know, and still having a tick uh, or a healthy tick on their, their labels when really they're not even close. And it's a lot of the stuff that's coming through that for people like you and I walking through the supermarket get really, really confused, really, really overwhelmed on what is actually high quality food. So starting there, getting an awareness of what you're really fighting and awareness of those little adjustments. Always go per 100 grams. Don't go per serving size because it's all over the show. Don't go, uh, you know, fall for the fancy tick or the, uh, you know, fit fits 50% of my fiber intake for the day because it's usually being artificially loaded in there to cover something else that's probably not so flash, right? A lot of the time they're boosting the protein requirement because I don't want you to think about the sugar and, the, and whatever other stuff's coming in there, right? So really, really key. When we dive a little bit deeper into understanding from a neurotransmitter level, what is this really signaling? What's really going on? And I want to give you one really crucial key here that allows us to create a more sustained, more positive relationship with food moving forward is, as we most of us know, sugar is going to spike our insulin, uh, sorry, our insulin too, but a dopamine response in the brain, right? So what that is, is that it's a highly addictive uh, pleasure response that we get from drugs, sex, uh, driving fast cars, adrenaline sports, um, all of these things that require really, really high, high, but we always come back down afterwards. It's not something we can sustain forever, right? So we've noticed that sugar is so addictive that it's getting up there with class A drugs in regards of the ability to actually come off it because our body's so ingrained with that being the pleasure center. Right, And that's really, really why a lot of this addictive nature around sugar comes through because it very much is on the same scale. And if it's artificially enhanced and enhanced in the body and our body's continually wanting more of that, no wonder there's an issue in the first place. Right, So see, seeing that how that dopamine response can be pleasurable and enjoyable in the short term, but is actually a detriment to us long term is something we need to take into account. Right, The best way we want to think about this here is our dopamine will bring us up, but then eventually it has to equalize. And it doesn't just come back down to normal. It goes below and and then has to come back up over time. So if you've had that sugar and then you start to feel really low or even depressed 
and then you try to get the spike up and then you come low and you, and you sort of fall back into that rut again, you'll notice that over time we're actually coming down more and more rather than just coming back down to baseline. This happens a lot with movie stars and uh, singers where they've been on stage and there's all this going on and then they come back to a, a quiet hotel room and there's not all that stimulation of the brain and they get into really big lumps of deep depression because they don't have that balance anymore, right? So looking at dopamine as being, it's a fantastic component there, but it's not managed and it's not utilized to sustain long-term health there. It really, really gets in the way, all right? So the not necessarily the opposite, but another neurotransmitter that we work with here is called serotonin. Now, this is not necessarily a pleasure center, like a really high moment, but it more think of it like long-term contentment, just feeling good, feeling mellow, right? And this is something that we can sustain long-term, something that allows us to feel, it's, it's not addictive, it's long-term, it's something that we can just feel fulfilled long-term. Now, funny enough, 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut. So the less sugar we have, the more whole foods and more nutrients, and we really look after our good, good gut buddies, then we'll start to really improve these natural serotonin levels as well in the body. So we start to really have this cool, calm, uh, contentment through the day that allows us to make the most of, of what we're doing in that day. Uh, if you struggle with sleep, you've always got light sleep, you're, you're always restless. One of the big things that comes through a lot is serotonin is, is uh, converted into melatonin, which is going to be our key hormone to get deep quality levels of sleep. So just another reason that we need to look after the gut as well, okay? So understanding those two neurotransmitters, I don't wanna to get too much deeper than that, but starting to get an awareness of why these highs can be so addictive in the short term versus these long-term contentment space where if we eat the right foods and we look at this as being more of a, rather than seeking out all of that happiness from the meal, we simply wanna fuel the day and see how we feel hours from now rather than seconds from now, we can start to really build that long-term gratification muscle into how we choose foods and how we want to feel long term rather than how our taste buds want to uh, feel right now it makes a significant difference all right is that making sense i'd love to get an idea of uh, people in the chat people watching the replay um, if there's anything coming up there for you i want to go through a really quick exercise with you and um, just to as you walk through this with me getting an awareness of how we can change your story around food all right so food is if i ask you what food is to you what comes up and just have a think about what comes up in your head. Is it is it enjoyment? Is it guilt? Is it feeling sluggish? Is it fuel for the day? Is it enjoyment, connection with family? What comes through? What is food for you, right? Really first question there. The second one we want to look at is how do you eat when you're stressed? Does how you eat changed? Is there foods that you look for? Is there a direct correlation with how I feel and what I'm eating? All right, and really, really common because as we're growing up, a lot of us uh, have this ingrained nature of when we were young, when we were crying, when we were upset, our parents or people around us would give us uh, a lolly or give us some ice cream or give us some food or even give us, a, a in, in today's age, an iPad or a phone. And there's always something external that we then, that we then get to sort out the problem that's actually happening internally, right? If we're upset, we're sad, we're grumpy, whatever, we start to seek out these external things to make it better. So it's really, really ingrained into us as humans when it's not natural, and there's a big difference between those two. So the human behaviors can be changed, but there's a natural instinct that should be there. And leaning into the space of breath, of managing our autonomic nervous system, having an awareness of uh, replacements that can be more beneficial to long-term contentment, serotonin, as opposed to the short-term dopamine hit, right? As we know in today's age, that 
social media culture of the likes and the shares and the making sure people are seeing all that stuff and that we're getting instant gratification for putting up the new photo is becoming a really big issue as well for the same reason of seeking that external gratification. So bringing this back to food, how, what do we do when we're stressed and how does food, how is food part of that when we're stressed? Are we able to make some replacements and what could we really replace that with? So if we get to the Friday night and it's always the beer and the ice cream, what could we do to make better use of Friday night when we feel tired tired and we feel like it's been a really flat out week? What can we do something that's actually beneficial to us that still feels enjoyable, still feels like we're doing something for us, right? So many people are spending two, three, four, five hours in front of the TV at the end of the day. And I know this is sometimes for an unwind or just to calm down, but five hours later, you still feel tired and you still feel grumpy, right? So what can we do to maybe break that down to still get the show on that you want to watch, but not waste away some of the hours that we could be using to set up tomorrow, all right? Making those small shifts and replacing the things that could be more beneficial, it has to be a really, really big place to start, all right? So a little shift that I want to make or hopefully has come up through that conversation with you is rather than this diet mentality of good and bad foods and uh, fattening foods and cheat days and binges and free calories and whatever, how can we move towards two simple things? Things that are helping me because I feel better on them and things that are not helping me because I feel worse on them, right? And selecting more of the foods I feel better on and selecting less foods of the ones I don't feel so good on. I didn't say no foods, right? Sometimes we still add in the cake because it's our birthday. We still add in the um, the ice cream because it's that night out with our kids and we want to share a Sunday. whatever. Taking the time to find the foods I feel best on and the foods I feel less best on and what are the things that I can do to move more down that continuum of feeling better on a day-to-day basis. When I can work with that balance, that understanding of food and what it can do for me and how I feel, it has a direct relation between what I pick up and how I feel afterwards. As long as we lock that in the back of our heads and we have this positive reinforcement of that it tastes good and I also feel good. This tastes good, but I don't feel as good afterwards and starting to simply make those decisions as we go through, right? As a child, as we were younger, we put our hand on the on the stove, we find out it's hot and now it's up to you to choose are you going to put your hand on that stove again, right? When we build the skill set, we get rid of this permission-seeking culture of can I have this food? We start to create a much better relationship around what true food means to us, okay? So last thing I want to finish on, guys, is food should enrich our life not detract from it, right? When you're looking at this, being mindful of what we're really trying to seek out of food and what is our reaction afterwards. If we're choosing to have that food, enjoy the food. If we're just having it because it's there, are we really making the most of that experience Uh, And what I mean by that is, if we're going to choose to have the cookie, have the damn cookie and enjoy it and make sure that it was an experience that was actually worth it. But if you're just cramming in cookies cookies while you're finishing work, uh, that you haven't actually enjoyed the food you're eating, and then you feel shit afterwards, is that really something that you want to continue to perpetuate, right? Same as putting your hand on the stove. You get to choose. It's up to you. So getting rid of that permission, finding what foods you feel best on. Hopefully that's given you a little bit of insight into how we coach our clients on managing this relationship with food and getting rid of binge entirely because it's no longer this rubber band effect. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm going to have it all, right? Taking the time to simply balance out this, this spectrum of, uh, and managing really a dichotomy as opposed to a binary yes or no allows us to really balance out how we feel, how we fuel, and how we eat. Hope you have an awesome week, guys. Hope that was beneficial for you, uh, and we'll talk again next week. See you, guys. Bye. 
This episode was brought to you by The Body Reset, world leaders in health and performance coaching. If you love this episode, it would be a massive help if you could just share with one person that you think would benefit. I'd also love to hear from you personally on social media or via email if I can help you personally. Until next time, remember, long-term change comes from self-compassion, and thanks for tuning in.